Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When I was in New York City, when I was dedicated to the cause of Lucifer, I was at that point a seventh-generation witch. I was laying there, practically, and I had her hold me as if I was me. I couldn't talk. I couldn't open my eyes. I, I believe my eyes were rolling back in my head. There was evidence of human sacrifice on this fight. One of my first questions I asked was, God, is there evidence? guys welcome to conspiranormal and we have a very special treat once again tonight we have luke back in the studio who's <laughs> currently working on our new theme song good to be which here. i'm super excited about yeah it's uh it's creepy it's really creepy you might have just heard it actually we're not sure <laughs> oh yeah maybe you never know uh we're Audio recording magic. this on the 25th of september so we're actually doing our double show day today an actual like triple guest day today as well and rob how you been since uh i haven't seen you in like the last five minutes yeah well i took a break to call my parents um before that we went out <laughs> to lunch together so that's about it yeah, you be a Jeff. <laughs> and actually, tonight we have a first because we are calling, we're actually calling both Australia and the future. Sweet. That <laughs> is for the for the person that we have online. What time is it there for you, sir? It's uh, eight forty a.m. of Monday. 
Monday, yeah. It's, did you hear that Sunday. like mechani- mechanized voice right there too? What's that? Like, <laughs> the Skype is making weird electronic sounds. Oh, it always does that. Always does that. It, it was doing that one earlier with uh, with uh, Mark Devlin. Uh, <laughs> well, we have on the line Giovanni Deinstman. Did I say that right? It's uh, it's close enough, Giovanni Dinsman. Dinsman, thank it's you, a, thank it's you. German, so it's hard. Oh, excellent. <laughs> what uh, what is your background? You live in Australia, but are you from are you from Germany? No, I was actually born in Brazil, in south of Brazil. Really? And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, in south of Brazil, there, there has been a lot of uh, both Italian and German migration. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm a little bit of a mix of both. With my yeah. Oh, very that cool. Was a, well, my yeah, my wife is ago. my wife is from Brazil, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, she okay. is from uh, from Goiânia. Okay, yeah, I'm more down the south in Porto Alegre. Porto Alegre, okay, yeah, very cool. I've been to Brazil a couple of times. It's a nice place. Well, how nice. how did you get to Australia? Well, I I married a foreigner. Um, <clears throat> my wife is half Japanese, half Persian, and wow. then we moved to. We moved to Brazil and life there didn't work out so well for her. So we thought about moving to an um, English-speaking country. Uh-huh. And it's hard to beat the, the weather of Australia and the, the beauty of this country and how open they are to immigrants and everything. So we moved to Sydney about five years ago. Wow, what a world. Like, you know, you're <laughs> from Brazil, you, you live and speak English and live in Australia. That's uh, Excellent. <laughs> Very excellent. That's very exciting. Yeah. Well, you would be the officially first Brazilian I've had on the show, even though I married okay. the one. So, <laughs> <laughs> but your uh, your your specialty is meditation. You actually reached out to me, and how did you hear about the about our show? By the way, being all the way down there. Yeah, I saw it in iTunes on the okay. top top um, top shows on religion and spirituality. I think that was the category. Yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting and then contacted you guys. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Uh, well, Giovanni, uh, let's let's talk about meditation. Um, you know, this is like I, uh, we were talking about before we started the show. I uh, was talking about um, how it's not a subject that we've we have covered. Um, mm. We may have covered it tangentially in some ways, and I do mm. kind of have a question that I want to ask you about that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's talk about kind of your background in it and kind of how you got involved with this practice and how, like, what were some of the things that influenced you to get involved with it? Okay. So I was about 14 years old. And since then, uh, I'm a big reader. So at that time, I was already reading lots of books. And a friend of mine talked to me about, um, magic and alchemy and all these esoteric things and initially i felt like what are you serious these things exist what are you talking about but then um i bought a couple of books on the subject and i was fascinated about this subject and also about the idea of developing psychic powers and exploring all this um metaphysical side of reality so I started buying books and started reading on the topic and tried to do some exercises. And a couple of the books that I bought, they they made it very clear that if you want to to develop anything in this area, you need to have a very strong power of concentration and visualization. Okay. And for that, he recommended meditation. 
Okay. So that was the first time that I heard about this practice. I started practicing on my own, tried practicing on my own, but it was really only when I went um, for a workshop on meditation by a group called Brahma Kumaris. It was just a one hour workshop and they had a guided meditation for five or 10 minutes. And during those five or 10 minutes, I experienced a very special state. I was in a state of deep silence and stillness and my mind felt different. My body felt different and I was a very restless kid. So that, that state was very enjoyable. It was, it was very Mm -hmm. precious. And then I decided, okay, from today onward, I'm going to meditate every day. And I've been doing that since then. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's the story, <laughs> the beginning. Okay. What, uh, when you meditate, I mean, is it, um, do you just find like a, a, a quiet area? Um, is there any kind of like mantras or anything that you do or say, or is it more uh, contemplative? Mm. So there are multiple types of meditation, right? And the techniques vary a lot from, from one type to another. The technique that is most common and that I like to practice is concentration meditation. In concentration meditation, you basically are bringing your awareness again and again to the same point, to the same object. Um, it can be your breathing. It can be a mantra. It can be one of the chakras in your body. It can be even a feeling like the Buddhists, they meditate on loving kindness to kind of increase the feeling of love and happiness. So that's the, that's the most common uh, method of meditation. So again and again, you bring your attention to the same point, to the same uh, object. And it's very, very hard because the mind is like a drunken monkey. You know, it keeps jumping mm. from, from branch to branch without any reason or without stopping it. That's just its nature. But by time and by practice, we learn to get a bit more control over our mind. And then um, this starts opening us to experience deeper states of consciousness or altered states of consciousness, if you like. Right. What are some of uh, the roots of the meditation practice? Um, What main religion, and you mentioned Buddhists there, uh, what main religions do do some of your practices come out of? Mm. So the practice of meditation started several thousand years ago, at at least 4,000 years ago in India. Um, So I would have to say that started in Hinduism, although probably at that time they they didn't call themselves that. They were just uh, yogis doing practice in the caves, in the mountains, um, and trying different methods to kind of control their mind and to transcend the human condition. So it was not a health practice like it is now nowadays for most people. You know, it was a practice with a very specific goal of transcending the human condition and and stopping all suffering. So I have to say that it started in then in Hinduism, Hinduism with the yogis, and later on when Buddhism, uh, when the Buddha was born in the sixth century BC, so he learned from the yogis and he developed his own methods of meditation. And then Buddhism grew to be a kind of a strong and influential religion in Asia. And with it, 
uh, its method of meditation became more and more common. And uh, a, a little bit after also in China, the Taoists um, developed their own methods of meditation. So in general, it's a, it's a very ancient practice that comes from wisdom traditions in Asia, especially in, in India and in China. Are there any traditions in, let's say, the Western, in the Western tradition or Western civilization? Sure. So the Greeks, they had the navel gazing exercise, which is a a type of, you can say a type of meditation. Um, I can't tell if they developed that on their own or if they had any influence from, from the Indians because there were some cross, um, cultural uh, things uh, between these two cultures at that time. Sure. And and I guess you would say maybe uh, some of the contemplative things that monks would do in the Middle Ages, would you typify that as, as maybe being a form of meditation? Sure. So in Christianity, there are some, in Christian mysticism, there are some practices that I think we can classify as forms of meditation. So... Some Christian, some schools or some lineages inside uh, uh, Christianity, they use a type of mantra for practice. I think it's the Orthodox uh, Church of the East, for mm-hmm. instance, the um, the Desert Fa- Desert Fathers, as they say, they use uh, a mantra. Um, I think is Mara Nata, or they also use other small sentences like uh, "Lord, come to me," something like this. And they repeat that um, again and again inside their minds as a form of contemplation slash meditation. And there is also Saint Ignatius of Loyola that he created the spiritual exercises. Those are form of visualization or contemplation that tend to lead to states of meditation as well. And many saints throughout the Christian history, they have uh, through prayer, through deep prayer, they have come to states of meditation in which, in that case, the object of their focus is, of course, God or the presence of God. And so it's still a type of concentration meditation where they're focusing in God and they're just silently um, being there uh, with that presence. Yes. So it's almost a universal, it would probably be, you would say, like a universal um thing in humanity to had to do these practices yes uh, different religious traditions or, or people seeking spirituality mystics of different countries and times they they would have invariably come to meditation either being taught by their tradition or discovering on their own as they are kind of focusing more and more through prayer or contemplation they would eventually find this practice i believe Let's talk a little bit about some of the um, teachers, uh, some of the people that may have influenced you or the, some of the people that you think that may be uh, the most important in developing these practices. Hmm. Well, uh, historically, I would say that the Buddha and um, a sage called Patanjali these two masters were probably the most influential ones on developing the science of meditation. There have been uh, countless masters, but these two probably the most influential ones. In more recent times, um, 
the West got to know more about meditation and about yoga and the traditions of the East through a man called Vivekananda, Swami Vivekananda. He visited the, the West. He went to the Parliament of Religions in Chicago. I believe it was in 1892, something like that. And he spoke about the tradition of the traditions of yoga in India. And he made a very strong impression uh, on people. And after that, there was a huge interest in American and European society in um, religious traditions from India. And more and more yogis and meditation masters uh, from India came to visit the United States and the West. There's another man that I would like to highlight as well. He's called Swami Rama. He visited the United States and also Japan. I believe it was in the 1950s or 1960s, maybe 1940s. And he was the first um, Indian yogi to be actually scientifically tested um, with meditation. And at that time, there was, um, there was a lot of, uh, he impressed a lot the scientific community at that time. I would say that in a way, he is the precursor of all these thousands of studies on meditation that we have nowadays. It all started with Swami Rama when he was analyzed and, and he showed that he had like perfect control over his brain waves, over his heartbeat, and even over the temperature in his body. So that was the beginning of the scientific curiosity about meditation that led to all these studies being developed and to ultimately meditation being so popular nowadays as a tool to relieve stress and uh, increase your well-being. Do you think some of the uh, the like there's some of the yogis in India that you hear about that can do these? They can withstand a, a lot of pain, and some of them are known to live for an extreme amount of time. Is that uh, due to to a really perfection of meditation? Yes, the yeah, I would have to say that yes, not only meditation, but other yogic practices such as very specific forms of breathing uh, also help with the with that. But yeah, it's definitely due through meditation and breath work uh, from that tradition. Lucas, anything you would like to add? <clears throat> oh, I was just going to say, whenever you were naming off like the benefits of um, yogi meditation, I was going to say like swimming in ice I've seen and, and getting um, shocked, you know, by like a really high voltage and being able to withstand it hmm. and things like mm. that too. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. It's complete mastery <laughs> over your, um, your mind and body connection really. It's yeah. The eventual goal as far as I see it. Yeah. It's just a crazy the amount of things that they can do. Uh, of course for, for the regular person wanting to practice meditation, maybe half an hour or one hour a day, they cannot realistically expect to achieve all that, but right. they will, <laughs> they will definitely achieve um, several benefits of the meditation in their life and, and like a happier, in general, just a happier and more peaceful mind. Have you heard about, this is, this might seem like coming out of left field, but you've heard about the, um, this was on the news last year and they were talking about this, this mummy, uh, of a, I think it's a Buddhist monk and a, Supposedly, they were, there's a lot of this thing is like 300, 400 years old. And they were saying that they really think that the, actually 
he's still alive. He's just such in a deep state of meditation. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I read it. I read about it on the internet. What? What? Yeah, well, there you <laughs> go. The internet, that, that's, that's the key. You, is there any validity to that? Or do you think that would even be possible? I don't know. It's just it's just my opinion. Um, sure. It's, it's yeah. I, I think I think it could be possible, yes. Uh, I don't have uh, a more intelligent answer to say about that. But uh, what I do know is that several yogis, after they pass away, Sometimes uh-huh. they, some of them, they pass away in meditation, right? So they say, okay, I'm, I'm about to leave my body. They enter in meditation and they breathe out and that's it. So they right? just, they just choose when to go. Yeah. Oh, and their body, their body remains seated in meditation after they are like biologically dead. Their body remains seated in meditation for several days without falling, without smelling, without anything. Hmm. Wow. That's kind of similar to some of the bodies of the saints that you hear about in the Catholic tradition <clears throat> of how it is um, you will have this these preserved bodies and they will not decay. Mm-hmm. And mana leaks out of their tombs. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, what about um, as, as far as um, not having to eat like to, to train training your mind and body to, to not have to eat anything Do yeah. you know anything about that mm, i i know that there are there are a few uh, yogis that they train something similar um yeah again it's a, it's a very particular practice that um that can be developed but the amount of work and discipline and time that it takes to to develop this skill it's uh, it's tremendous. I, I've seen there is one man uh, in India that he he claimed that he didn't he haven't hasn't eaten anything since he was seventeen, and then he was taken into a lab, and they were observing him like twenty four seven for I think ten or twelve days or something, and during those ten or twelve days they he didn't eat anything he didn't drink anything, and when they asked him how how is this possible, he said that he did very intensive practice when he was young. And then he got blessed by a spirit and uh, all the nutrients that he needs uh, drops directly into his mouth from the top of his, from the ceiling of his mouth, something like that. Something crazy like that. Yeah. (laughs) And my brother was trying to say that he was drinking his own spinal fluid somehow. I I don't, I mean, we'd have to call him up or whatnot, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. How is that possible? But yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that, that's that's one thing that kind of boggles the mind. But if there's scientific proof of that, that's that's extremely fascinating. Right. Like I can I can see somebody slowing their metabolism down to a point where as long as they stay in a meditation right. and their heart's beating like five beats per minute or something, mm-hmm. they wouldn't need as much nutrients. But if they're walking around expending energy, that's hard to exactly. Fathom. Yeah, a certain. Um, very similar things have been said about Saint Germain. Are you familiar with Saint Germain, the yes, supposed ma'am. immortal? Uh, they said that he was he, he. Sometimes people would see him eat eggs, but that was it, and that's mm-hmm. all he apparently lived off of. But he, no one ever actually saw the man actually ever eat. Mm-hmm. There are you will see many um, accounts like this, especially in the Himalayas which is uh, a very, very hard place to live. So these beings that are very advanced in these practices, they choose to live there so no one kind of bothers them. 
there is a book called uh, Living with the Himalayan Masters. And this book is actually by Swami Rama, the man I, I told you guys before about. And uh, he lived there in the Himalayas for, I think, 30 years or something like that. And he's telling all the stories of the incredible things he saw these men do. Like uh, from drinking poison and nothing happening to them to a man that could kind of spit fire uh, three feet ahead of himself and like just uh, things that are hard to believe, you know. Huh. Um, there was another man that he said, um, everyone in the Himalayas said that uh, they have been there for 50 years and this man has always the same face. Like he hasn't aged in the past 50 years. And and he, he kind of lives in a hut and this Swami Rama was asking him like, what's, what's your secret? And he said, vegetables and some pro yoga yogic breathing exercises so that's what he said was his um secret for longevity fascinating gotta think <laughs> like like if we all have this ability you know that that, that must be within us i mean that, that's that's pretty damn fascinating mm-hmm. uh, i believe it too some yeah. some of the some of the claims yeah. of, of course are just sensational and silly you know a, Maybe, sure. Like breathing fire, even if you don't have any kind of gas or anything in your mouth, like that's a little, I don't know. It's possible though, yeah. I guess. There has to be a scientific mm-hmm. explanation for it. Have yeah, you, there should, be. There should be. have you in your personal experience, have you, uh, besides maybe a change in your mental or emotional outlook or your, or that well being, have you noticed any physical changes to yourself since you started to do this? I noticed that uh, um, I need to sleep less. And that didn't start from the very beginning. Just after a few years of meditation, the amount of thoughts that I had per day just drastically diminished. And with that, I, I need, I started sleeping like maybe an hour less and I was okay. Hmm. So that's one of the physical uh, changes. The other thing is that I haven't gotten sick in a very long time. Not even a flu, no, not even like a cold or anything. So, in terms of physical changes, I, I'll, yeah, that's about it. It's like a mind over matter kind of thing going on. Yeah, it's um, of course, if I eat a food that is like food poisoning, that may still happen. Right. But the, the body not functioning properly or not fighting disease or actually the creating disease, that's something that you can directly influence with your mind. Not with a single thought, but like with continuous yeah. uh, thinking and certain practices, you can, you can program yourself to not become sick. How many hours a day do you meditate? Uh, I started with 20 minutes and I grew, I grew my practice organically. Nowadays, I'm doing two hours. Wow. Yeah. And how does how does yoga fit into uh this whole paradigm of the meditation? You see yoga when we hear about yoga in the west we think about stretches. Right? We think about postures and physical exercises. But the truth is the word yoga means union. Yoga is actually a a tradition in India that the the physical part of it, the postures, the stretches, that's only a very, very small aspect of yoga. 
there are many yoga lineages in India that they don't even practice anything physical. It's just the meditation, the breathing, and uh, other practices. So now if you're mentioning, if you're talking about the physical yoga, the postures, these were things that were created by those masters to prepare the body for long meditation. That was one of the purpose. So if, if they wanted to sit in meditation for several hours, your body needs to be very healthy. And otherwise, you're going to be in pain. And also to increase the lifespan so that they could practice, they could seek for longer. Um, there are other more kind of esoteric aspects to the yoga practice, to the physical yoga practice even. But in general, it's really to prepare the body and the mind for meditation and to have perfect health and long life. Let me ask you about some of the Western esoteric tradition, the occult tradition. Do you see any link between uh, some of the uh, practices in occultism and uh, meditation practices? Yes, I, I can definitely see the link. The You see the esoteric practices of the West, they are more focused on ceremonial magic and things like that. Right? They're more focusing on controlling the forces of nature through rituals and things like that. While in the East, uh, especially in India for the yogis, they, uh, those that are devoted to esoteric practices, they are using more the mind directly. They're using mantras, they're using the power of their mind, uh, concentration, visualizations. There's also ritual, but in general, they are more concerned with developing um, these powers inside their own mind. So there is this difference. I believe that in the Western tradition, there is also practice of meditation. From the, from the books I've read and the people I've spoken to, meditation is also an important practice in occultism. Although it's, it's still kind of different from the way that they do it. Uh, the mm -hmm. do it. Here's the question that I think that I most am curious about. And that is, you know, we have talked a lot about on this show about altered states of consciousness, uh, mm -hmm. mostly dealing with um, the whole concept of alien abduction, alien contact. Uh, we've also talked about it in the vein of sleep paralysis. Um, we have talked about uh, using hallucinogenic drugs and you had termed the meditation to achieve a state of an altered state of consciousness. I was curious about whether or not have anyone that has, that does meditation, uh, is there any kind of influence from or contact with entities or outside forces? I think a few people experience that. Mm -hmm. A few people that maybe um, practice meditation and have that deep interest um, or maybe even device their meditation so that they can do that, uh, that type of thing happens. But in general, for the, for the average person going to meditate or for the ones that meditate with a, a spiritual intention behind it, um, you will not, this, this type of things will not happen. You will experience altered states of consciousness inside yourself. Uh, and they are altered because they are different from the day-to-day -day consciousness, 
where you're kind of just busy and your mind is outside and you're perceiving the outside world, um, but not necessarily contacting other entities or anything of the sort. Do you know of any examples where that has taken place? I can't think of any at this point. At this point. Okay. That's, a, that's something that's always interested me is that um, whether or not, you know, cause you can achieve an altered state through many different means. Now, whether it's negative or it's positive or not, it's probably another issue, but you, mm-hmm. I have seen that there is a, that there is a contact with something that is um, otherworldly, so to speak, or some other form of intelligence. Right. Through very various other means that all have that sort of similar link, like sensory yeah. deprivation or, you know, hallucinogenic drugs or, They've all got that that weird, there's some entity kind of a vibe there. Right. Mm-hmm. How would you um, differentiate and alter that, that kind of altered state of consciousness that you would achieve through meditation from the altered state that you would get from something by saying maybe taking a, a hallucinogen? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that would depend a lot on the hallucinogen you take. Um, so maybe some of them allow you to see things that actually do exist in subtle, subtler planes of existence, uh, like the astral world or the mental world. Maybe some of these drugs that you take allows you to open up your inner eye, so to speak, and see what's going on there. So you're actually seeing things that are happening that exist. But I think most of them, they they don't do that. Most of them, they actually produce visions and hallucinations out of your own kind of unconscious material. Right? Um, yeah. And with with meditation, of course, you're not you're not doing that. You're actually going the opposite direction. You are you are allowing all your thoughts, all your unconscious material, to kind of settle, to calm down. And then your mind becomes very, very sharp. Your attention becomes like a, a laser-focused sharp. And mm. then anything that you put your attention on, you're able to kind of penetrate deeply into that thing and understand it from the inside. And your perception of time and of reality changes when you go into these deep states of meditation. Because what is time? Time is when... The reality in one moment is different than the reality in the other moment. So you notice that something changed. Time is, things are changing moment after moment. But in a deep state of perfect concentration, where moment after moment your mind is exactly on the same state, exactly on the same spot, then the notion of time simply disappears. There's no sense of time. There's like a timeless now. And with that comes a, a sense of peace and, and of bliss that I haven't found anything in this world that comes even close to it. So these are the type of um, altered states that you get through meditation. So if you have, um, if you have a, a altered state of consciousness that maybe is through hallucinogenic drugs, maybe you're pulling in some uh, maybe negative or confusing um, aspects of yourself, but with meditation, it's more likely that those things can be put together in a in a in a correct and maybe appropriate way. 
Yeah, I, I would say that. I would say that <clears throat> while mm, these type of drugs can exacerbate and and, and make these all these um, all these unconscious material inside yourself come up so strongly and so vivid, and there can be some therapeutic value on that. I'm not saying that there isn't. It's just there needs to be more scientific study about how those things happen and why they can work or not. But in meditation, what's happening is actually you you are conscious all along. You are not uh, losing control. You are aware of exactly everything that is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and so if intense emotions come through your mind, you're able to interact with them from a more objective perspective <clears throat> or able to kind of put them aside and focus on something else. You develop this uh, inner power. Uh, so people are always using vices, you know, like like smoking weed or or drinking alcohol, and to to achieve like a certain state of mind that they're going after, it, you know, or they they've gotten used to it and it's part of their lifestyle and they depend on it. Uh, you think it's safe to say that being becoming um, good at meditation would make you not uh, seek out those vices in life anymore? Yes, for sure. I mean, I, I, I know of, of friends and, and, and cases like that. It's uh, when, you're, when you learn how to tap into, into that state of, of satisfaction, of calm abiding, of, of being at peace and happy and, 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 and joyful for no reason. When you learn to tap into that state that naturally exists inside yourself, then you don't feel the impulse of doing external things and taking external uh, drugs and things like that to achieve something similar. Because you also know that it's um, it's more sustainable when you learn it to when you learn to transform your own mind and to access these things internally without depending on anything and anyone. That is more sustainable. Hmm. Let's talk about your. Um your course and the things that you're, that you are offering. Um, mm-hmm. what is, what does your, your course entail? Um, how do you get people, um, involved in meditation? What, what would be some, if someone wanted to start, what would be your, um, recommendations? Sure. So I run this blog called liveandare.com. And it's, it's a blog dedicated to meditation, personal growth, and spirituality, where I help people with these topics. And in that, in that blog, I sell this course called Master Your Mind. It's a course for beginners. So if, you, if you're interested in getting started with meditation, okay, and you don't, know, you don't know where to start, or maybe you have practiced a little bit of meditation, but... You don't know exactly what you're doing or you don't know which technique you should use. Or maybe you just don't have the discipline to practice every day. Then that's how my course can help. My course can my course is targeted at people that want to build a daily strong meditation practice and they so far have been unable to do so. So it's a five-week course where I introduce them to five different types of meditation and it's very focused on building habit. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if any of your listeners is interested in getting started with meditation, you can go on my blog, on my blog and you can read a lot of articles. Maybe that's enough for you. But if you want a more kind of a systematic approach, then I would suggest you have a look at the course. Okay. 
Well, um, where can people get in touch with you, Giovanni? Because we're kind of running out of time. But where um, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, what what is your web presence? Are you available if anyone wants to 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 um, to chat with you about these topics? Sure. Yes, I'm I'm available. I'm willing to to talk about this. It's it's enjoyable for me. Um, you can find me in on uh, my web website liveandare.com. And you can find more about my course in meditationcourse.org. So these would be the two places. Okay, excellent. Well, anything that you wanted to ask Luke or Rob? Anything that you guys were curious about? No, I'm still thinking about the your mind is like a drunken monkey comment. <laughs> That's the, the best way I've ever heard that described. Right. Like, I, I don't meditate as often as I should, but every couple of weeks I'll sit down and like find some quiet time to focus. And that's exactly yeah. what it's like. You know, I'll, I'll finally get to a place where I'm feeling peaceful and all of a sudden it's like, I don't even realize it, but my brain is thinking about whether or not I've paid the phone bill or you know, <laughs> the fact that I've got to stop for gas tomorrow before work or it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're so bad at that as Americans. I, I feel like that we're probably the most scatterbrained uh, <laughs> of all the cultures. Yeah. It's like ADHD like culture that yeah. we have too. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, technology and uh, smartphones and TV and ads, all of that pulls our attention everywhere. It right. becomes really hard to find some some focus. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about where we're heading as 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 people and as humanity because I think more and more the ability to to focus and to accomplish things is becoming more rare because people yeah. are so distracted. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very very true. TV could be its uh the the topic of TV could be its own episode because of the the subtle uh, uh the the subtle brainwashing you know that it has on the the effect if you watch anything you know in TV it it changes so quickly it's mm-hmm. it it doesn't yeah. stay focused on any particular subject it changes and changes and changes throughout the show until a commercial it's that yeah. that that wonderful TV editing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have any other questions. Oh, uh, Gus. Well, yeah. uh, thank you so much, Giovanni, for coming on and enlightening us about it. I'm sorry that we. I I, I wish I knew more about the topic, honestly. But <laughs> yep. it is. But it is very interesting. It's always good to learn uh, from someone that 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 knows it. Yeah. And thanks for reaching out to us. That's- yeah. Absolutely. Sure. No problem. I I enjoy talking to you and to your audience and. My goal is to get as many people to meditate as possible, either learning from me or from anyone else. doesn't matter. It's just um, seeing how much meditation can do for you. I'll just encourage every one of your listeners to just give a a fair try. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Stay on the line for us. We're going to close this section out. And guys, we'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal. Well, sometimes it just works out this way. Sometimes we have a guest and then we don't have a guest. This is the kind of show I prefer. Yes, I know you do. (laughs) Hopefully it will go very well. We were supposed to have Sarah Soderlin on, and we're actually going to get her on for the next show or maybe the show after that. 
I've got that rescheduled already. She had a a commitment that she needed to do. So some there was a conflict. So we should have her on. And now next time, whole, now she gets a whole episode though. Now she gets a whole episode to herself. Yes. So it works out well. So next time we will have her on and we will start our, in our Halloween um, extravaganza, the month of October. Uh, Luke. Yo. I wanted to get your thoughts on what we talked about with Giovanni. Cause um, you know, a little more about this stuff than I do. Or the, I think the real, does. the real pro obviously is my brother. Okay. He he studied different types of meditation for years. And the only reason that I know anything about it is through him because he loves to talk about it. Uh he he's got books upon books upon books of all the different Hindu variations, all the Buddhist variations and like what they're aimed at. And there's no way I could possibly try to remember like what they're called. <laughs> Cause you know, it said no, that, I went a little German there. Sorry. Va, sounds, much, sounds a lot like Sanskrit. There, Juda. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but um, it, it's it's uh, always fascinated me. Yes, I don't have the, I guess, temperance would be the word or patience to, to sit down and, and meditate every day. So I, I applaud anyone like our guests that could do that. That's great. You're, Big, you're much too ADD, sir. I, I to, am to, to to focus on that. But the the thing is, the thing is too, and I, I know, um, I know people. A lot of I'm going to get a lot of eye rolls here for saying this, but like I, I really don't feel like I need meditation. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy in life, you know, as it is. Like, and, and I feel like I have a pretty good state of mind most of the time, anyway. So I, I just never really have felt the need for it. Well, maybe you're already an ascended master. Uh, and you, just, and you just don't know it. <laughs> well, you're, you're, very, you're functionally unfocused. Like, yeah, right. It works really well for you. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, honestly, um, it, it does. It, it does work well for me because I will. I'll on a typical day at the house. You know, when I'm not having to work, I'll be scrambling back and forth like. I need to get this done and then I'll leave it alone for a few minutes and be like, I need to get this done and I'll just be skipping back and forth, but everything will get done eventually. <laughs> you know, all my projects that are unfinished will get done. So it, it, it actually works out in my favor. Do you know anything about transcendental meditation? Have you ever heard of that? TM? Transcendental. Yeah. It seems like all meditation would be. Yeah, really. It's, it seems like a generic, uh, well, I mean, this is apparently something that was, um, I believe it was a guru, a guy named Gurdjieff, who I think was a Russian guru, and he came up with this whole idea of transcendental meditation. I only know it because of some of the things in like some of the haunted haunting literature. Like they accuse, there's been um, in the Amityville horror case. It's come out and said that George Lutz, who was one of the, the, the father of the Lutz family that was the one that experienced that haunting, uh, a couple of his kids and I think his sister-in-law, his former sister-in-law, have come out and said that he was practicing transcendental meditation. And apparently, as I understand it, it's supposed to leave you open to certain type of entities. That's why oh, I kind of wow. asked that question That's what question I was going to say. Like it, it allows you to bring yeah. something back with you. Right. Yeah. Like, like what it yeah. actually, what it actually means. Um, you have a sign on your forehead that says possess me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking up wicked. I'm, well, I'm looking up um, on Google, the Googles. It says the most popular types of meditation include 
Vipassana, mindfulness, and TM, transcendental. But there are infinitely more meditations than these two. Nearly all types of meditations fit into a category of concentration, open monitoring, or effortless awareness. That's just a quote that comes up. Yeah. And I'm looking at some of the, uh, some of these different meditations actually get to uh, Giovanni's website, oddly enough. Um, but what's, what's some of the, do you know anything about the, the, the techniques involved? Yeah, I do. Uh, like I, I watched some, oh, I, think you were listening. I watched some tutorials and read some stuff about, cause I was interested in one time in, in doing like the Buddhist, like walking meditation mm-hmm. where, where you're actively doing things throughout the day, like doing, doing your tasks and everything, but you're still meditating while you're doing it. And, and, um, that's actually advanced, you know? So of course, like I never made it to anything like that, but, um, the, the idea is that you're counting your steps and your count. Like if you're doing something repetitive, say just peeling potatoes, you're counting, you know, how many strokes of the uh, knife that you're doing, peeling the skin, you're counting everything. And it's getting you, uh, the awareness of, of being in the moment because that's pretty much you have to train yourself to always be in the moment and not let your mind wander because once that happens, you know, as the, as Giovanni was talking about, like then you can go to the next phase of, of the euphoria and all that. And that's, yeah, that's why he convinced me that I need to start meditating more because my brain is just always all over the place. Like that's why I'm, I'm sort of an introverted character to begin with. And that's just because there's always a yeah. second train of thought that like, I just yeah sometimes can't seem to stop. What was the uh, what was the word that he used about the mind about it being what kind of a drunken a, monkey? Drunken monkey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's perfect. I, I found this online. I'm um, always all over the place. That's yeah, just that's just who I am as a person. Twenty four seven. Yeah, Alyssa is. I'm here, a mom and I'm a girl, and so there's no telling. Yeah, from day to day. Got the five types of meditation decoded. Um, one is primordial sound meditation. Primordial sound meditation, PSM, is a silent practice that uses a mantra. The mantra you receive is the vibrational sound the universe was creating at the time and place of your birth. It's calculated following Vedic, Vedic mathematic formulas and is very personal and specific to you. Mindfulness-based stress reduction. That's another one. Zen meditation, of course, from Zen Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's transcendental meditation. This actually is a little different from what I've read, but founded by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, transcendental meditation made popular by fam- famous followers like the Beatles uses a mantra or series of Sanskrit words to help the practitioner focus during meditation in lieu of just following breath. The mantra given to the student will vary according to a number of different factors, including the year in which the student was born and in some cases their gender. The year in which the teacher was trained will also affect the mantra provided. The teacher will have been given a list of mantras to use, and this list varies depending on which year they received their instruction. TM is a seated meditation. And then there's Kundalini Yoga. Yeah, I've heard that <clears throat> Yeah, that's term. my, which that's we've my talked brother's, about Kundalini that's with, my brother's uh, Soraya. expertise right there. Kundalini? Yeah, that that's his his favorite topic. So, talk about that just a little bit cuz like we talked a little bit that with um with Soraya about like his Kundalini awakening and yeah. how he felt that that was he didn't know what it was for the longest time and it just happened to him. Yeah. 
and it was very odd and scary for him. So he learned exactly what it was. Well, uh, Kundalini is sex energy. So it'd be like the base chakra, you know, like located like in your groin area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's channeling that because so much, if you think about it in, in it's kind of a logical way, you know, so much energy is contained in both the groin of the female and the male, you know, because it creates, you know, both together, obviously, you know, creates life and a lot of energy goes into that. And then pregnancy too, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole different topic. Yeah. Like so much energy is concentrated to create the fetus and all that. <clears throat> but, um, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, Kundalini ties in with sex magic <clears throat> and it's, uh, redirecting and refocusing that energy because, you know, most males will go throughout their life, uh, you know, masturbating to women, you know, watching porn or whatnot. But you can actually direct that energy into um, something that you're trying to accomplish, a goal. You know, you can mm -hmm. refine it and direct it to something that you're trying to accomplish in life. And that and Kundalini is uh, the method of of uh, practicing sex magic. So would you consider <laughs> sex magic like a form of meditation? Uh well, the the Kundalini the Kundalini yoga is the form of meditation and you the have to sex maintain magic. a certain focus on gotcha. a specific yeah. idea. Yeah, because you hear about that in the stuff about Aleister Crowley, uh -huh. and uh, we all know Adam Go Rightly practices that, right? <laughs> when you asked him whether he practiced sex magic, <laughs> I was like, "Man, you're really interested in it. You practice it, don't you? I mean, you have to as much as as much research as you've done and everything else. Like, have you done it?" What were you going to say, Alyssa? Um, well, that reminds me, years ago, haven't even seen the movie, but I remember reading an article years ago about how Will Smith, when he was playing the character of Ali, uh -huh. he refrained from sex with his wife because he focused solely on, uh, you know, building muscle and 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 being able to protect, portray this character. And he felt like that you know, helped him focus and he put all of that energy and any, any of that. I remember the article, the interview saying that he, you know, that kind of fueled him to, to be more focused. And, you know, that just kind of reminded me of that. This is years ago. I don't mm -hmm. even remember when the movie came out. It was like, it was like 2009, 2000. 2010, yeah, it was something around. like that. But I just remember thinking, wow, that's a really weird way to do method acting but you know if it worked for him and and it was a critically acclaimed film like i said i've never seen it but yeah. you know i i people really really liked his performance in that and well, he attributed part of yeah. right and he attributed part of that success to you know cutting himself off from something that you know like i'm gonna refrain from this i'm gonna focus solely on this and you know, I, you know, I just, I can't imagine what it would be like to, you know, do something like that, but he attributes it to his success in that film and he won a lot of awards and, you know, so I think that's, that's kind of what you're, you know, I don't really know yeah. about the meditation thing, but that well, kind of gives me an idea of like what he was talking about back then. And maybe, maybe that's what he was doing is yeah. following that kind of a regimen. Well, so, so much happens. So, so much energy exchange happens on a subliminal level that nobody really realizes. So, I mean, you think the energy vampires, like, like I know you've heard that term before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Remember Michelle Ballinger that we had on? Yeah. Like she, yeah. She typifies herself as an energy vampire. <laughs> 
She's doing it on. She's aiming to be that. She's doing well, no, it on I purpose. Well, no, I think that she. Well, no, I don't think she does it on purpose. I think that's just how she sees herself uh, naturally. Oh, that she's oh, that way. Okay. And that, so she had um, people had experience being felt dra- drained around her, and she eventually <laughs> that's figured not out. a good quality. She, well, yeah, but she eventually figured out that that's what it was, and so I think she was able to then control that part yeah, of her life. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you know, we all know here, sitting here in this room, that you've met someone before that you're you're hesitant to hang out with because you know that they're gonna drain you of all your energy if you do. Called Debbie Downers. Yeah, (laughs) but but if you think about it too, these people uh, they could be nice anyway. I mean, they they could be pleasant to hang out with, but still they'll drain your energy and you'll feel exhausted after hanging out with them. Mm -hmm. But they are a lot of times they are emotionally needy people too. Yeah. True, and, and there, on a, if you if you think of it in kind of a, a outside of the box, you know, like there is an energy exchange going on there mm-hmm. between everybody that you interact with. There's an energy exchange going on. There's so there's some people that I'm like gung ho about hanging out with. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait to to chill with them this weekend. And there's some people like, oh dude, I, I do not want to hang out with them today. <laughs> like I I'm not. I don't have the energy for it. I'm not. Right, I'm not on that level. I'm just not there today. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this interesting documentary where, where they were doing like photographing the electromagnetic like waves coming off of a person or whatever. It's kind of like a, an aura photograph, but uh, it's curly in photography. Yeah. And they had somebody that was claiming to be an um, energy vampire and they had another person in the room, a subject that they were like, uh, initially they were just calm being themselves and then they um, went into their, you know, like vampiric state right and it, the two different pictures were really dramatic and the first one they were both sort of just this pale blue and the second one the um the lady who the entered the psychic vampire or whatever was like this like really sporadic like bigger and red and the other one had diminished huh and it was really i mean so it's almost like there's some physical and almost, yeah, almost scientific a, proof yeah. of this that this is real the cur- the curly in photography is like not often talked about it's kind of in like an underground subject is that the same thing as aura photography or is that yeah. completely different it's the same they it's a it's electromagnetic photography they have this uh magnetic plate that that charges first uh they it, it uh, charges particles and everything and then it shoots a blast at at the subject and then that reflects back to the camera lens and uh yeah, I, I'm not super scientific on it. And I can't <laughs> right. remember every detail, yeah. but right. it, but it is a, a testable, repeatable process. So there's a scientific process, right? Know, there's a control and a you know you're able to mm-hmm. determine that. They actually, I read an article um, on Facebook. <laughs> super reliable, um, <laughs> always, always. That's where I get all my information. That's where a lot of people uh, get their news. They have they have scientifically proven that people absorb energy from others. Which I've always been, I've always no, thought I've that heard this too. positive no. energy begets positive energy, negative energy begets negative energy. Right. You know, what you put out in the world is what you get back. If you're constantly negative, then negative things and negative people are going to be drawn to you. And that's, you know, it's not always easy to be like super positive all the time. But, you know, I do, and it's kind of the same thing. Like you do absorb energy and you know, kind of just like a overall mood or, you know, whatever from people like, I don't know. So that I thought was pretty interesting that they have scientifically, scientifically proven that that is possible and that it happens. And, 
I feel like that's, you know, kind of the whole like Debbie Downer. Nobody wants to be around mm-hmm. Debbie Downer because they are, are absorbing that energy. And I think know? that's why Mark is so adamant that more people need to meditate too, because our world is like severely infected right now with yeah. all kinds of horrible negativity. Yeah. Let's, let's, before we move on to other topics, explain the chakra thing. Uh, okay. So the, the chakras are realign your, ch- re- what was it? What's uh, the line uh, from grandma's your, boy? Find a center and realign your chi. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> your chi and your chakras and your aura and you, there's just all kinds of things. You've, you've got uh, seven chakras, you know, starting at uh, the base of your spine and, and uh, the crown chakras. Uh, Is that the same as the pineal gland? Yes. I thought you were at the top of your head. You're such your third eye. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, I got to gotta count them. It's like white. Three. And then yeah. four. Purple was your third eye. Yeah, you're right. There's two on the head. Blue That's was right. your mouth and then orange. Uh-huh. And then... It goes down to your hoo-ha. Forget. Green is your heart and then yellow is your stomach <laughs> and then yeah, red would be your, your groinal yeah. chakra. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean the the whole point of that is is um, it it kind of goes along with the uh, Kabbalistic tree of life and it aligns with like the Sephiroth on the on the tree of life you know the, the, those are the little points on the tree of life and each one of them represents like a different state of consciousness and all that you okay. know the, the whole system there. So you have from the top down. If I was right, you have the Shahashrara. <laughs> English thousand petaled or crown chakra is generally considered to be the state of pure consciousness within which there is neither object or subject. When the Kundalini energy rises to the point it unites with the male Shiva energy and a state of liberating Shamadi is attained. Uh, <laughs> its role may be envisioned somewhat similarly to that of the pituitary gland. Which secretes hormones to communicate to the rest of the endocrine system and also connects to the central nervous system via the hypothalamus. Yeah. According to Gary Osborne, the thalamus is thought to have a key role in the physical basis of consciousness and is the bridal chamber mentioned in the Gnostic scriptures. Then you have the Ajna. Our third eye chakra is symbolized by lotus with two petals is known as the third eye chakra and is linked to the pineal gland, which is also linked to the pineal gland, which may inform a model of its envisioning. The pineal gland is a light sensitive gland that produces the hormone melatonin, which regulates sleep and waking up and is also postulated to be the production site of the psychedelic dimethyltryptamine DMT. The only known hallucinogen (laughs) endogenous to the human body. Then there is the Vishuddha or throat chakra, is is uh, parallel to the thyroid gland, which controls growth. The anahata or heart chakra is related to the thymus located in the chest. The thymus is an element of the immune system as well as being part of the endocrine system. The manapura, which is the solar plexus or navel chakra. The Savadhisthana, one's own base or sacral chakra, is symbolized by a white lotus within which is a crescent moon with six vermilion or orange petals. The chakra is located in the sacrum and is considered to correspond to the testes or the ovaries. ovaries. That's what you were talking about, the producing various sex hormones involved in the reproductive cycle. 
in your hoo ha. And then there, your your other eyes are your hoo ha. Yeah. Yes. Or your or your pee pee. Are the, and the muladhara or root chakra is symbolized by lotus with four petals in the color red. The center is is located at the base of the spine in the cochlear region. It is said to relate to the gonads and the adrenal medulla, responsible for the fight or flight response when survival is under threat. So that's the lowest chakra. Mm-hmm. It's in your. It's the in more, your. The, the it's at the base of your spine chakra. and your coccyx. <laughs> that's one of my favorite. Grandma broke her coccyx. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite <laughs> body parts. That's interesting. I never, I never heard the chakras like um, that. In your weenus des- described as uh, lining up with your certain, elbow. Um, Glands like like yeah. endocrine stuff. Yeah, yeah, apparently the first two are both the pituitary glands. And, and then so and, and then uh, you have to describe the two different types of energy that's happening here. You know, in, in the average person, like we just talked about, like the Kundalini, like the sex energy going on, which is a, um, a primitive kind of energy. You know, fight or flight, like you said. Yeah. And then you got on the other other side of the spectrum, you've got the creative energy. The, the kind that uh, where where you motivate yourself, like it's all kind of like mental energy, uh, you know, used in used in creating and used for uh, more ethereal kind of ideas. Well, we mentioned. Let's segue to something else. We yeah. mentioned. Well, let's do that. <laughs> I can we see you driving a segue. Driving a segue? <laughs> we mentioned Michelle Ballinger. We should go do that. And uh, she was, uh, we had her on to talk about the occult. God, that was like episode 38. So it's like almost 100 episodes now. And we had, she was on a show called Paranormal State. Anybody oh, you guys watch Paranormal State? Yep. I actually was a huge fan of Paranormal State. Uh, there's been some recent developments yes, in Orion Buell's. Um, oh, I read something about that, yeah. Yep. Um, apparently, uh, from what I've read, um, I, I don't want to be biased or, or, you know, like, oh, I've read like uh-huh. totally biased, you know, articles or whatever. But um, apparently uh, there was a bunch of commitments that were made by his group slash management slash whoever controls him. Um, And he could not meet them. And people were having trouble getting refunds and people were making plans and to go to these things. And they were getting canceled at the last minute. And um, Chip Coffee is uh, he was a really um he did like a bunch of episodes with them and I right. I I feel like he's a really reputable you know, as far as it goes in the industry, I feel like Chip Coffee, you know, at least is really passionate about it and Yeah, me too. You know, and, yeah. and really like knows his stuff and takes a logical approach to things and right. and and I really respect him and he even said, you know, that basically um, from what I gathered, he didn't know what was going on. Like he had disassociated himself with them a while back yeah. um, because of the things that were going on. Apparently, um, Ryan said he had pancreatic cancer well, at one point and was I'm going through this. treatment. But there's like an insane, insanely low yeah. uh, survival rate of this. And like... From what I'm gathering, it wasn't real. Um, he yeah. is uh, a 
addict. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying nothing about nobody, but um, just from what I read. And I, I don't know, but I was a big fan of the show. And I I remember seeing that come across my new news feed on Facebook because well, that's a, where I get all my news. Here's, here's an article about it. Uh, go a little bit further into it. This is Celebrity Ghost Hunter Ryan Buell Arrested. A celebrity ghost hunter who once lived in Raleigh is behind bars. Ryan Daniel Buell, 34, is facing two felony charges related to theft and stolen property. He's also facing a dis- misdemeanor charge of theft of services. All charges are in Center County, Pennsylvania, where Buell was last known to be living. Buell was arrested on September 18th in Florence County, South Carolina, the state where he grew up. Buell claims to be a paranormal expert and appeared on the cable TV series Paranormal State. That involve looking for ghosts or trying to prove that life after death is real. Buell has a pretty big fan base across the country, but several fans started questioning Buell in 2014 and turned to me. I first told you about Buell's frustrated fans in July of that year. Buell had started a tour called Conversations with the Dead Tour. Tickets were sold to shows in cities across the U.S. and Canada, but the shows got postponed and then canceled, and fans were left with no answers and looking for refunds. Fans were out hundreds of dollars and wanted their money back. Many of them never got a dime back. Some were able to get refunds by disputing the charge with their credit card company. In 2014, Chip Coffey, a longtime friend of Buell's, was scheduled to be on the Conversations with the Dead tour with him. He said thousands of dollars were at stake. At the time, Coffey told me, told me Buell and his team were in charge of all the details for the tour, but nothing was booked despite selling tickets to the show. I know that the last accounting I have with regards to ticket sales for the Conversations with the Dead tour with was an 80, excess of $80,000, Coffey yep. said. That's the exact 20, article I read. 2014 was not the first time Buell canceled shows. In 2012, he canceled shows claiming he was fighting pancreatic cancer. In late 2013, Buell told People Magazine he was close to remission, ready to tour again, and he started selling tickets for 2014 to another tour. Yet several of those shows never happened. After my story, Buell moved to Pennsylvania and once again started advertising shows and connecting with his fans on Facebook page. Fans were once again complained that Buell took money for events, and then they say Buell either did not show or the events were canceled, the most recent being a dinner in August. Now Buell's mother is speaking out publicly. She posted several times on Buell's public Facebook page and the PRS Bureau's page. Buell's mother writes to Buell's fans, Please stop enabling his situation by sending money, buying tickets to events that may never occur, buying merchandise, phone calls you may never get, paying money to watch him on Twitch, and giving him offers of shelter. I am pleading with you out of love for my son, and I'm frightened by what his situation has become. Fans and one-time... Fans and one-time fans quickly commented on Buell's mother's posts, some depending, defending Buell, others saying how Buell has taken money from them, too. One fan talking about how Buell was sick, and his mom writes, he's ill, but not from cancer. His family knows the real story. You all need to stop believing his lies and stop enabling him, please. At last check, Buell remains in the Florence County Detention Center in South Carolina. Sounds to me like he's got some sort of substance dependency. Yeah. I remember. And I don't know for a fact. I'm not trying to defamate anybody or their character, or I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. You know, like I. I always feel bad when people are like, "Oh yeah, well, just sounds like he's a you know stupid addict." Well, I don't know the whole story, but I'm pretty sure he didn't have pancreatic cancer. Yes, there's something going on. Yes, and. As a human being, I hope that he gets better, and I hope that people stop wasting their money, you know, trying to go and see him and meet him, and, you know, and 
even if he, I don't want anybody propping him up, you know, like prop him up and make him sign autographs. Like that's not any way to treat a human being. Obviously he's going through something and he needs time. And I, you know, it's just, it's just, it sounds like a sad situation all the way around. If I'm thinking of the same, the right guy, I remember seeing, I remember hearing young guy, dark hair. I remember hearing something about um, him having cancer and then seeing some episodes and looking at him being like, yeah, he does look, he does look ill. He doesn't look right. You know, dark bags and circles around. Right. But heroin could do that. Meth could do that. You know, there's there's a lot of things. Prescription pills could do that. Lack of sleep. He, he, you know, we, we started hearing this stuff around about 2012, 2013 and saying that he had pancreatic cancer. And I was like, oh, the guy's pretty young. You know, why would he have pancreatic cancer? But I guess it does happen. And then you started hearing about these events that were being charged money for. And then he, at the last minute, would use the pancreatic cancer excuse and say, oh, my cancer's acting up. I need to pull out of the event. Nobody ever got their money back. Right. So that money was going somewhere. Right. And that's what makes me think that it was management. And and the people, like I said, people were trying to prop him up. Maybe. I don't it's, know. It's possible. But, it's possible. Um, I oh, think, he has I think, this huge I, fan base and I, all I these people are willing it, to pay money. Let's let's try and keep this money train yeah. going. And I, I think most of it was him because here's a guy. These OK. These these guys that get these shows, these reality TV shows, and they're all famous for a year. Maybe if they're lucky, two years, they can have this time in the spotlight. All of a sudden, the show is gone. It's canceled for whatever reason. And then all of a sudden, they need that. They need. They want to Something maintain to stay relevant. that lifestyle right. that they had while they were doing the show. And like you said, something to stay uh, means to stay relevant. Right. Now, if he had gotten addicted to something while he was doing the show and partying it up, he had to, he probably did need to maintain that. Well, there was a movie they did too. Yeah, there was a and, movie that they did, and that was right on the edge of you know because i i mean i was a fan you know and and i didn't believe in it like oh my gosh they're catching a ghost right now you know but i like the fact that uh you know it was it was a mainstream show chip coffee was on it i'd seen him on a couple different ghost shows i you know really i watched it kind of for the guests that they had on and you know it was a different if they they had a little bit of a different approach. I'll tell you what. So I liked it me. and I gave it a chance. But then when the show ended, they had this movie out, and I remember being like, "Oh, I want to watch that movie," you know. And then, but I never did. And now looking back on it, yeah. it was probably just some ploy right. or just some some way, some avenue to keep generating profits and and I'm you know I, I would I, still watch the movie, but I, I wouldn't pay money me. for it in the whole thing is that he used pancreatic cancer as an excuse. I mean, yeah. pancreatic cancer. Uh, do is your research. Cause if there's like serious. less than 1% can, chance of survival, die from pancreatic cancer. You're only going to keep going with that so long before you are found out for being a liar. Yeah. That's, and not, thinking, that's not thinking very long term. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, uh, you know, and, 
mean, I, he could say he got testicular cancer and get his balls are you even cut talking off. about? <laughs> you know, for God's sakes, but pancreatic cancer that kills. A lot of people. I mean, it's, every it's, year. It's, you really it's don't statistically come back almost impossible to beat pancreatic yes. cancer, and you know that's and that's a slap in the face to people who actually have it and battle it every day. I know somebody, one of my one of my coworkers, who has lung cancer, and I watch her fight every yeah. day. And people can bounce every back from lung, day. lung cancer. You know, she sits across from me at the table. And she looks like a skeleton and I watch her fight it every day. And it personally pisses me <laughs> off that someone would right. lie about that. That's the part that makes me sick. Just to get money right. to feed their habits or their drug addiction right. or whatever because the hell it is. Because if you know somebody yeah, or if you've ever been touched by someone in your life being affected by cancer, and I'm sure... Most of us have. Most of the people out there probably have. Here's a question. That's that I, disgusting to me. Agreed. Here's a question that I want to ask. And he would always say that on the show, and, and who knows it, how much of this was narrative, how much of this was probably complete BS, but he would talk about how he would had this demon following him. And all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, we are one year out. The other day was a year anniversary of the death of Mark and Debbie Constantino. That's the guy, the people that did these EVP. Yeah. Uh, did the, all the EVP stuff, the couple. And he, he killed her. Yes. He killed her, killed her roommate, killed himself. That's uh, crazy. I remember was, hearing about that. It was absolutely insane. So the question that I really ask here is, if you are dealing with the paranormal world, and I just got finished reading the guest we are supposed to have on tonight, I just got finished reading her book where she talks about having an attachment. And they talk about this stuff all the time in the paranormal community. You can get an attachment. You can get something that is influencing you negatively. However, and especially with Mark and, Mark and Debbie Constantino, a lot of people in, the, in, the, in that community are not willing to go forward and say, although they talk about this all the time, they're not willing to come forward and say, maybe it was some kind of an attachment or maybe some kind of negative entity that made this happen. Now, on the obverse of that, I have very little patience with the whole devil made me do it. I personally think that Mark Constantino did what he did because they had a rocky relationship. Yeah. But is there any influence? And with, and this reflects back on Ryan Buell is his drug addiction is his prob are his problems because he's dealing in this paranormal world and exposing himself to these entities. I think right. we have to ask that question. Right. Well, Absolutely. Point. Absolutely. I, I think that it also, um, what might influence how you feel on that is the way you perceive what a demon is. I know that you, Adam, believe that there's actual like thinking entities right. um, that are out there lurking behind the scenes, trying to drive us in the wrong direction and steer us away from you know our spiritual path. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Which could be it. But I also see, on the other hand, that they could be more of um, 
a metaphor for the inherent evil that's in us as well. Um, Possible. Yes. You know, in, in that sense, we all carry our demons, like whatever, but um, more of a zeitgeisty sort of, there's all these influences out there. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. We have to choose. We've got to forge our own path kind of thing. And in that sense, I mean, yeah, for sure it was, you know, they're both battling demons, but whether or not it was an actual thinking um, sentient entity that decided to come into their lives and, yeah. and mess with them because they're doing these these ghost hunting practices. I don't know. That's a lot harder to say. Well, I'm going to tell you from personal experience, okay? From, <laughs> thank you, Luke. From, 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 stop. I didn't even touch it. From, from, personal, from personal experience, I will tell you that I when about 2006 or so, I got into the whole EVP thing really hard. I would listen. I'm still into I would, it. Real I would hard. listen to them religiously because I just found it fascinating. You ever seen the movie White Noise? I've seen the movie White Noise. That's a good movie. And I can remember my. I can remember listening to this stuff, and I can remember my wife telling me that she was cleaning the um, mirror one day, and she felt something push her. Mm. And after that, it kind of freaked me out because I was like, what if I really am opening doors here? I mean, it sounds really superstitious. I don't think it is. You know, if you are allowing yourself and you are immersed in, in this kind of, and it's okay to have this as a hobby, but if you're immersed in it all the time, are you allowing a, a degree of negativity to come into your life so that it does, it does jealousy, rage, anger, addiction, those kind of things can affect you. Right. And we've seen a lot of other people in the paranormal community that have gotten really ill and really sick and died. So, you know, a lot of, like, I hear a lot of, I've heard some shows talking about Mark and Debbie Constantino, and they're not willing to go in that direction. And I don't know whether it's because they feel like then they would have to admit that these negative things are in their own lives. Are they, are they, they believe that since they knew these people, they could see the lives that they had. But if it starts from just something whispering in your ear, a lot of negative, a lot of negativity, whether that's subconscious or conscious, then eventually is that going to lead to something really horrible and really bad to happen? I think it does. I mean, I and think on a level it does. Decisions. Yeah. Well, yeah, whether it's energy or entities, like it's the yeah. same thing. Right. Or intentions, you know, do you, you know, I, I mean, I believe in it. Um, there's, there's times where I feel like I'm a really open person when it comes to things like that. And I almost feel like I have to like, force myself to not be, you know, because I'm scared of what might happen, you know, like, am I going to start seeing things? Am I, am I going to start hearing things? Like, I honestly believe like all that stuff, there's, there's like a door and all that stuff is crowded on the other side. And if you, you know, like there to a certain degree, you know, there's a lot of people that go into places, they investigate hauntings, they do certain prayers, certain certain rituals before they go in, before they go out to protect themselves. And even that, I don't know if I would trust, I'm not bringing nothing home. You know, like I, 
I've, I've, I've had my own experiences. I've been open and it didn't do anything but scare the crap out of me. And it didn't bring me anything good. And so I just, you know, like sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? And I'm like, nope, nope. Roll over, go back to bed. Don't even, don't even entertain the thought because don't yeah. open that door. On the other hand, we've also talked to a lot of people who um, do see a lot more of of this kind of stuff than the average person, and they're not people that invited it into their lives. They're just people that right. were kind of born that way and have always been that way. Right. That seems to be the case with, with more more often than not. Right. So I don't know. And I think some people, they can train themselves to filter out the bad and and... and leave the good I, I mean i believe that those people exist but you know sometimes i think some people poke into the fire because yeah, no. it's cool and it's yeah. awesome yeah no and then all of a sudden you know you're you're in a really dark place right and if you you know so and and at the same time i believe in free will and i'm not one of those people that is like the devil made you do it well you know the point is like have you listened to what are you listening to what the devil is telling you? Or are you just ignoring it? Yeah, in other words, I don't care who tells me to go out and murder somebody. I'm not yeah. going to do it. Right. right. Exactly. Right. How many times they say it either. Like, you know, I have I, trouble squishing bugs. So, so, so <laughs> no. while I'm asking these questions, I'm almost asking them rhetorically because in my own mind, I believe that, you know, Mark Constantino, he, he made that choice. Right. You know, Ryan Buell, he made the choice. To, to do what he's doing, that choice was made. It wasn't like you're an automaton and you are um, just at the mercy or the whim. Right. Of well, right. The, there are cases like that, too, where the person comes to and they don't remember the incident. Yeah. Or they, but that was probably the government. Yeah. Well, yeah. MK Ultra Mind Control. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, didn't uh, Mark and his wife, didn't they have a daughter that died yeah, and her name no, was no, Mel? No. And they... Oh, yeah. They're I the think, ones that right. created the Mel meter. Uh, no, been, that's somebody else. That's is that somebody else? else? I thought it was them, I but think, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think that... That's somebody uh, else. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure that's someone else, but I think they did have a daughter that passed away, and that's how they got into... That's where the, the Mel meter thing. came from. I know that's because somebody's... Their yeah. their daughter died. They had two and daughters they that... tried to connect with her, and that's they made up their own Yeah, this meter. is a guy that you're... I think you're thinking of yep. that was on Ghost yep. Adventures. Yeah, yep. it's a, a man that... Uh, could try yeah, to connect it was. with his daughter. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yep. The Constantinos, I think they did lose a daughter at one point. And actually, uh, they, they have two surviving daughters, and one of which was involved with um, uh, kidnapping Debbie. Oh, oh, well, That's wow. what Mark Constantino went to jail for. And then when he got out, when they let him out, that was that's just when crazy he when I saw her. that they I was like, what? Yeah. But apparently, if you hear some of the stuff that they've talked about on Darkness Radio, just how she was very abusive towards him mm. and probably is a very codependent, a very toxic relationship. And I'll tell you what, I feel sorry for the guy that male domestic killed, violence but, is not talked about enough in this country. Yeah, <laughs> it really isn't. I know people personally domestic violence towards men. Yeah. From women. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, people don't talk about it and. Uh, we know somebody personally, we're not going to name names, but, uh, 
you know, it's it's just crazy, you know, to find out that that's happening to somebody. And I can, I, I you know, I'm a girl, so I don't know, but I can imagine there's a lot of like masculinity involved there, and that's why you don't want to say anything. And it's, you know, it's it's you know on a certain level embarrassing, which it shouldn't be. I mean, nobody has their right to put their hands on you. Like so. Speaking of domestic violence, let's talk about Donald Trump. Nice segue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice segue, Adam. I don't know exactly what kind of domestic violence, maybe for the country. I don't think he beats anybody. I think he's just a crappy person all around. <laughs> to everybody. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, when he made the statement at a press conference not too long ago that Barack Obama was born in the United States, period. And then he blamed the whole thing on on Hillary. Say that that's where, where it came from. I don't know anything about this. Uh, yeah, he's apparently say, gone I on record and put, put the whole birther, birther thing. Because he was the big <laughs> proponent of questioning the um, Barack Obama's birth certificate who cares right who cares uh, well what, what i want to try to get to with this is he apparently got a ton of flack for blaming hillary for this but it's actually kind of 50 percent true because there was a guy that worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign in Pennsylvania in 2008. They both suck. And his name was Phil Berg. And he's the one that actually started the whole birther con- conspiracy theory. This this came from this guy and he was a he was a proponent and a campaign worker for Hillary Clinton. So it actually did come from kind of tangentially the Clinton camp. Because hmm. I remember him talking about it, this guy talking about it back in uh, 2008 when, when the whole controversy, or maybe 2009 really, when the whole controversy over his uh, his birth certificate started. And this is from, no, I'm good. Thank you. This is from, from Wikipedia about the lawsuit concerning Barack Obama. Okay. Berg filed a complaint in federal district court on August 21st, 2008 against democratic party presidential nominee, Senator Barack Obama, the democratic national committee and the federal election commission alleging that Obama was born actually in Mombasa, Kenya, and that the certification of live birth on Obama's website is a forgery. The court dismissed the complaint as frivolous and not worthy of discussion. The judge also found that the harm Berg alleged did not constitute an injury in fact, and that Berg's arguments of the contrary ventured into the unreasonable. Berg filed a petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Supreme Court and also sought an injunction to suspend the election. The injunction was denied by Justice David Souter on November 3rd, 2008. Berg also sought an application for injunction pending the deposition of the petition for writ 
Justice Souter denied it. Berg read, refiled and submitted it to Justice Anthony Kennedy, who denied it, then refiled and submitted it to Justice Antonin Scalia, who referred it to the court, and blah, 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 and so on and so on. But it's interesting that this came from, that this actually, this actually did come from the Hillary Clinton, at least part of her camp, is where this whole birther issue started. Hmm. Any thoughts on that? Uh, Wake well, up, Luke. Other than the fact that it's interesting that it was the Democratic Party. I just think it's interesting that Trump came out and all of a sudden said that he was, uh, that he was, he made the statement that Obama was born here after he had made this big deal for years about Obama not being born in the United States, that he had questions about the birth certificate. And he just puts it to rest and and puts it, puts it in Hillary Clinton's, in Hillary Clinton's camp. Yeah, he's always got to have a spin. Well, that and it's, you know? that that kind of ties into his whole immigration policy too that he's right. got going on. He's talking a lot about recently. Yep, yeah. just helping out his buddy. Got to get her in office. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, we're, we're still. That's the only reason that why he's even running. Right. We uh we we determined before the election even started that Hillary was going to get presidency, and she will. I'm one hundred percent sure. I am too. You think so? Yes. I am too. There's no, no doubt. doubt in my mind. I'm not happy about it. Me neither. I don't support off. it. Um, I I don't Sorry. think that there's Sorry. honestly <laughs> anything that anybody can Mark do. Mark the time down, Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark the F-bomb down. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Rob Marino. You did it. You yeah. dropped the F-bomb. Yeah. I'm the one that's this always... I was like, did I drop an F-bomb? Well, I don't I say, even remember. I it like 2,000 <laughs> times a I day. I literally didn't even know if I dropped it or not. I felt bad for a second. I was like, oh, well, it was probably me. <laughs> it was you. Just do what uh, Just do what. Um, what Rocky says. Just use grape instead of the F-word, okay? <laughs> graping. You can, you, you, can, you can do that. You're graping, idiot. So, I don't know. I just thought that, I just thought that was. Uh, no, it's. I mean, it's. The whole thing is uh, complete. It's all complete chaos. We don't have a choice. It's They've gone out of their way to make us think that we have a choice, but we don't have a choice. They're going to do what they want to do. Hillary Clinton's going to be president. That's just the way it is. Donald Trump is a freaking puppet. He's just there to, I think that, you know, it just, it, if you've seen South Park, I mean, not that that's like a reputable, like, Oh, <laughs> South Park is a reputable source or anything. I'm just saying that they kind of made a good point of uh, turd sandwich and uh, what was the other one? Giant douche and a turd sandwich. Yep, that's our choice. And that was they did an episode about that last time we had an election. We were Same talking thing. about we were talking about um, before the show. Alyssa and I were talking about how these terrorist attacks, these riots that are happening, I still think that that could, if if this stuff keeps happening and it keeps happening into October, that we are going to see Trump get elected because people are going to be so scared. And even if Trump really is there just to, just to be as silly as possible to make himself look to, 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 to make himself look good for himself or his ego. He talked and crap to get, and to, people and to like get him. Hillary elected. Yeah. It could still backfire yep. 
on her and end up with him being elected. Fear is the absolute though. worst reason yes. to make a decision. It, it doesn't. Yes. To, for, to, for me, it doesn't matter because I feel like the media is constructed to just, you know, pretend that she's getting the most votes and the most support, even if she's right. not. Didn't you see all them posts about like the when Bernie was still, you know, a viable candidate and they showed his crowd as opposed to hers. Her crowd was like 300 people and they had them all crowd the stage and take yeah. a per- take a picture from a certain angle. So it looked like she had this huge crowd and really there was basically nobody there. And I still think I still think that her health is concerning. I don't think she's in the best of health. And so none of them are the best of health. They're old as hell. <laughs> well, they're, yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're both the same there. age like they're 69 years old they're at least as old as reagan was when he was elected and he yeah. was the oldest president why do we elected. keep getting old presidents that's Luke, what i want to know you weren't here earlier in the day no i was not but i wanted to get your thoughts on what's been happening with these police shootings in oh, oklahoma geez. south carolina yeah i'm tired carolina. yeah i'm yeah. tired i'm tired of it i think everybody's tired of it um, I don't, I don't understand how anybody can rationalize it. Any one of them, any one of these shootings, you know, they can say, oh, he had PCP on him. Well, they didn't know that until after they shot him. Okay. What do you think, Luke? Thanks, Thanks Luke. Luke. No, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was talking to you. I'm, I'm just sorry. messing. I'm just messing. Uh, no, I'm, man, I, uh. You know, recently that Marine came forth and he talked about like the protocols of, uh, yeah. of, of doing a kill shot. You know, we read that on the last show. Yeah. Right. I know what you're and about. he, it, it's really great that he come forth and, and uh, said all that because there are so many like rationalizations that you have to go through first, you know, as a cop or a Marine before you actually make that kill shot. And I just do not understand. I do, I cannot see how cops are just getting trigger happy and just firing off. I, I'd like to say that it's not happening and things are getting blown out of proportion, but uh, there, in some instances, there are overwhelming amount of evidence, you know, that are that are showing that they really are getting trigger happy and they're shooting uh, black people, you know, when they're not when they're not breaking the law. So, uh, you know, I, I have to ride the fence on that one. It's a gray area. Because I, I do think that the media is exploiting all this that's going on and sure. making it. Uh, I agree. They're, 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 they have a prerogative, you know. Yeah, and w- they're creating a, a the divide. Points, a couple of points that we made earlier. Well, Adam brought up the fact that more, more white people are killed by cops, that, uh, statistically than black yeah. people. Which right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. the race. If no, cops are out there killing matter. people, that's horrible and right. wrong. Yes. And I, I tried to bring up the point that it's this. It's like such a minuscule percentage of officers that are out there doing this. It's not police in general. Right. Right. That it might be a certain personality type that just is like, that's why they joined the force and they've been waiting all this time to use their Mm -hmm. gun. It might be, Oh yeah. uh, It just might be a, a, I don't know. A lack of, um, lack of training, a lack of psychological, um, preparation for certain situations yeah. it might be a lot of things but it is and, happening and i don't know exactly and, what and you talk about statistics like you got you have to think like how many police off officers are there nationwide and we're we're uh, whites are still the majority of the population by a huge amount a huge percentage so 
Of course. I mean, like, there are white people getting killed that way every day. Right. It's just not being focused on. Exactly. The media is focusing on it only because it's a sensational story. Well, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's stirring the pot. Yeah, exactly. It's stirring the pot. It gets us all to focus on something other than, I mean, and this kind of stuff always happens during like a heated political climate too. Yes. And it's, yeah. Do you think it's this, us to this focus crap on would be else? happening if there wasn't a huge? Not that it's not a valid thing. Like, and not that it's not an important astronomical, thing. like insane political divide. No, this this. I mean, and and we were talking about this earlier, and I do believe that this is something that's been boiling under the surface. It's just now coming to light. It's something that obviously needs to be dealt with. If the black community feels like they are be like, I absolutely support them 100%. I, your, your feelings, I hear you. You are completely justified. I don't think you're justified in killing police officers or doing harm to anybody else. There's, there's logically, it doesn't make sense to fight hate with hate, but. You have every right to be, you know, I can't say because I've never been there. I, As a white woman, I've never been in your position. So I can't say, oh, I understand what you're going through. Heart emoji and, you know, comment on your post. Like, I, I just I feel like something needs to change. Something needs to change. I'm tired of it. I think everybody's tired of it. And I would like to encourage everybody to go and look up um, a, a phenomenal, um, very intelligent uh, researcher, someone who has uh, dedicated their entire life to the study of racism. Um, her name is Jane Elliott. She did a study back in the 1970s with her third grade class. She was a teacher. And it was the blue eye and the brown eye experiment. And she divided everybody up in the class by blue eyes and brown eyes. She put a collar, not a collar, like a dog collar, but, you know, like a color. She put a flag on everybody. And she basically turned this entire class of white children who happened to have blue eyes or brown eyes against each other. And she is very, very good at giving white people. She's white herself. Uh, at this point, she's an old lady. I hope that she's still alive. I don't know. Um, but she, she's very good at giving you a glimpse into what it's like because she will segregate you from other people based on physical attributes that are out of your control. And, it really makes you think. And one of one of the uh, videos that I saw on YouTube, you can look it up. It's only a minute long. It's called uh, The White Fear. And basically, she talks about what I've been saying for years. Uh, white people are afraid of becoming the minority. Guess what? We are the minority. When you become the smaller group... You become the minority. Well, we're still the we mo- talk about people black people and, and brown people and Hispanic people and mixed people. We talk about all of them and we group them in this, you know, in this group of minority. They are not the minority anymore. We're the minority. And, and white people are scared of becoming 
quote unquote yeah. the minority. I, I agree. I agree that there is a fear that to become the minority, but white people are still in the majority. That's what Luke was saying. When we're talking areas. about we're, sure, absolutely. But overall, for the whole country, whites are still a majority for the whole country. Now, I do agree that there is a fear that that will happen, and that fear will drive a lot of irrationality. Mm-hmm. I will agree with that. That is the white fear. Something, something I want to, something that I want to read. Um, I thought this was interesting. Remember a few shows ago, back in July, we talked about Philandro Castile's uncle. Uh, yeah. And I... Philandro Castile. I dissected his little Masonic call-out yeah. about the lion's paw and the widow's son. And Tracy Twyman, who we had on yep. last year, we talked about her book, clock shavings which is one of my favorite interviews i'd lo- I need to get tracy back on the show but we talked about so we talked about that and she has some other things that she has caught that deal with some masonic imagery in the black lives matter movement and i thought this was interesting this is black lives matter freemasons and the widow's son I can't help but notice that there seem to be a lot of connections between the causes embraced by Black Lives Matter and rich Masonic ritual symbolism. For instance, the hands up, don't shoot hand signal originally associated with the movement is nothing less than the grand hailing sign of distress used by Freemasons to surreptitiously call for help from other Freemasons. Oh, for Pete's sake. Okay. Well, listen, listen to what she says All right. Here, all right. All right. The <laughs> signal is supposed to be made while saying, oh, Lord, my God, is there no help for a widow's son? This is supposed to be a reference to the mourning of the death of Hiram Abiff, the architect of Solomon's temple who was murdered by his apprentice according to the lore of Masonic ritual. Here, Clarence Castile, the uncle of Philandro Castile, shot by police, can be heard repeating this phrase during an interview on CNN. And then she has the video posted here, which we played that. He also references another aspect of the ritual by saying, we've got to hold on by the strong grip of the lion's paw. This refers to the lion's paw, a special handshake or grip used during the Hiram Abiff ritual when the dead man is being raised from the grave. According to Masonic author Manley P. Hall, this mimics Egyptian rituals regarding the resurrection of Osiris. While he's clearly calling for help from fellow Freemasons in regards to his nephew's death, it's interesting to note by watching the full interview that this is after he and the boy's mother describe the fact that they haven't been allowed to see the boy's dead body yet, and the girlfriend who live-streamed the incident on her phone, they described as having gone missing since then. At 4 minutes 54 seconds of that video, Clarence Castile can also be seen making the Masonic sign of horror, placing his hand over his face, mimicking the gesture allegedly made by the person who first discovered Hiram Aviv's dead body. In this video, which I made when I was in college, and Masonic handshakes and signals demonstrated to the best of our ability, based on descriptions from a book, you can see the sign of horror at 1 minute 24 in the lion's paw. Beyonce, whose husband Jay-Z flaunts Masonic symbolism in his personally designed Rockaware line of clothes, performed a BLM-themed show during halftime of the Super Bowl in February. The song was called Formation. Now all across the country, football players are kneeling during the national anthem in a formation, looking just like Freemasons in a ritual kneeling around the body of the widow's son, Hiram Abiff. 
Prince Hall, a black-oriented Masonic Lodge system, does seem to be quite active at the BLM protests, and Black Lives Matters have been fu- heavily funded by George Soros. Make of that what you will. Now, what I found intriguing about this article is two things. Well, three things, one of which we've already covered, which is the widow's son and the lion's paw reference. Right. Then the Very picture then the picture of Clarence Castile placing his his hand over his face, which is also another Masonic call of distress. And I also find it interesting that these football players, when they are when they are quote unquote taking the knee, this whole started with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, protesting the national anthem. Now you've got several football players in the NFL and college and now in high school that are doing this as well. They're actually kneeling on one knee and one knee they have, they have their, their, have their hands on. So the knees are opposite. Well, there's a picture that she puts here where you have Freemasons gathered around, uh, this bo- around the supposed initiate and they are doing the exact same thing. Now, this all seems kind of far-fetched, but when you think about it a little bit, when he made this call out, this was in July, football season had not started yet. Was he calling to his brothers in black f- Freemasonry? It's not too far of a stretch to think about these NFL players. They all have to go to college. They all have college educations. They all play for college teams. Therefore, in college, they are probably all in black fraternities. Black fraternities are heavily steeped in Masonic imagery. So it's not a far, a far stretch that they would hear this call and they would replicate this Masonic inter- imagery out on the field. Right. I think that's entirely plausible. Okay. But totally, what does it matter? I totally get where you're coming from. Let me tell you what my my little... uh um where I feel a little strange about this is that I understand, you know, his, um, what was his uncle's name? Clarence Castile. Clarence Castile. I understand. I mean, that's an obvious call to fellow Masons. Like right. that's straight out of the book. That's how you do it. But what does he, or what, what could they hope to accomplish? How are they going to help? And, the other side of this is what the rest of this, I mean, it's more symbolism yeah. and it's right. more, it's more ritual and more symbolism, right? but it's, it's also very obscured and hidden symbolism. So it's again, not helping. It's another cry for, it's like a cry to help yeah. that sent out to another. It's like lighting torch towers that are just being sent down the line. Like who are they trying to get to help if it's not? Yeah. Well, know. I think it was, I think it was probably interpreted as a certain way by some of these players that have, we're in these black fraternities and this Masonic. They're just picking up the cry for just, help. And they're just picking it up. And right. Mani- so you and have a bunch of black it. athletes who are taking a knee. What is it hurting? You know, Masonic Mason Masons yeah. have been around for thousands of years. I, you know I what? If that's what he felt he needed to do, or if that's how he comforted himself by surrounding himself with his Masonic buddies, you know what? His son was unlawfully and terribly and disgustingly taken from him. Absolutely. My 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 whole point though so, is like what's what's the um what what's the end game here? Right. They're, what, they're, what they're are calling you, for help. To, I mean I don't see any like so you know it so proactive? it has yeah, it has it has Masonic, you know, ideas and, and motivations behind it, but what is it really 
It's not hurting anything. You know, he's not calling for the destruction of police and everybody go out and kill. You know, he's it's it's oh, not a violent like, thing. It's just my brothers. I need you. Yeah, no. And, and, I, to and I totally appreciate I that side of it. Absolutely. I don't know a whole lot about the Masons, you know, but I don't. I've never heard like, oh, this is this horrible, massive shooting was done in the name of Masonic. You know, you know what I mean? Like. It's it's the same to me as like the Lions Club or Kiwanis or you know like that's just hey we we need to help each other like help me you know and you've been in a fraternity yeah and, and you I, know so you get the whole like brotherhood kind of you know and I understand the the drawing of awareness and the, the you know the um pointing out that there's a situation that needs to be addressed and you know calling to to anyone else who might be sympathetic to your cause but so far that's all that it is like we need right we need solutions not just more um i don't know symbolic representations of, of whatever <laughs> right but at the time you know his you know his father or his uncle or his uncle was just you know like pleading to anybody right you know just and if they're a part of the Masons, whatever. I mean, it's not illegal to be a Mason. And I just, uh, the whole thing just disgusts me. That Philandro Castile, that was, you know, that this crap's been going on for decades. But that was just, that was so blatant. If people didn't of, see that and wake up and, a, a and be like, enough is enough, then... You know, I'm sorry, but that's just that's just disgusting on any level. There, you know, there was a four year old kid in the back seat. That bullet could have ricocheted; it could have missed. That's just uh, I don't even want to think about how terrible it could have been. And if he's calling out to Masons to help him, because that's you know that's that's his safety net, that's his brotherhood. They're not hurting anybody. I don't have a problem with it, you know. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. No. I just, I just, I just I find mean, it, I just find it interesting that those yeah. link, that those links are there. Yeah, yeah for sure, for oh, sure. Yeah. I just, I'm trying to figure out what what they uh, what they want their fellow Masons to to help accomplish, other than spreading awareness. Right, Luke. What do you think? I I'm just with Rob. I don't really have much input on that because I'm. I mean. Yeah, they they pro it probably helped in getting more awareness and having them join in on the protests and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and, and a call for help. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that well, as, as being it's, realistic. It's interesting too that we see the secret society network in action. Yeah, that's how it works. Right. That's how it's supposed to work. That is really neat. Yeah, right. So that is everybody that knows is about the Masons, but a, nobody's seen yeah. the Masons that, really take action and be and a, and. and yeah. Mm. From an academic viewpoint, I think right. as well, and gather right. and you know and it, and take up for each other, and it, that's it what it's you, supposed to be. I I was in I was in Thornton's uh, the other day, just uh, getting getting a drink and and something to eat. And uh, as I'm standing in line, I, I'm going to try to say this at the in the least like racist sounding way possible. Ah, you good? I'm not trying. I'm not trying to sound racist at all, but the the. The the uh, black cashier and the black girl working in the store, 
were were speaking in a way that I couldn't even understand what they were talking about. They were talking about like one of the guys that like walked in the store and you know t- I don't know if they were saying that he was attractive or not, but they have like such different lingo like I mm-hmm. couldn't even understand or interpret like what they were right. saying. And it, it it was just crazy to me. Like uh, I was like, "Wow!" Like just not very hip, Luke. That's all. You didn't even know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was well, I was thinking like, do, so did they find him attractive, or did they find this guy like repulsive? You were, you were confused by which one it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I they were talking I, like that so that you didn't understand. Exactly. Good point, Alyssa. I, I want to end the show with a snippet from an email that I got from a listener. Is this a positive story? Great. It is, a, it, is it is positive. He Good. really Good. He, he really he really enjoys the show. Um, but he has something really good to say about our, our co-host, Mr. Luke here. Ah. Oh, he that's says, rare. He says, in the PS, he says, screw all the people that hate on Luke. Yeah. Sure, sure he says some seriously dumb shit sometimes, <laughs> but far more often, in my opinion, he has something positive to contribute. And no matter what, he gets at least one literal out, out, literal out laugh loud. Laugh out loud from me when he actually when he actually joins you guys. Long live Mr. Skyrider. Oh, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> All right. So, yep. so you so you have fans out there, right. sir. You should What's feel that, my third fan now. Right <laughs> At least your third or fourth. Right on, right on, right on. If, if my mom had internet, she'd be a fan too. So we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just, hey, just, my mom's uh, a fan. Uh, we'll just go ahead and include her in as a number four. <laughs> I, I, I want to know where all these haters are posting stuff. I've never heard anything. Negative. Well, I think they're talking about the you know, when Luke said redneck the whole thing. Oh, redneck. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure I'm gonna have some haters. Uh, my yeah. name is Alyssa Gibson. Um, my address is. Please send your hate mail here directly. People, people live here. <laughs> All right, I think we're gonna call it. Thank All you guys. Right. Uh, that was a good hour of uh, non-guest episode. Thanks so. for putting up with me, boys. <laughs> You're welcome, Alyssa. You You're always welcome have something for being to here. <laughs> and, and Luke, why don't you take us about with some seriously dumb shit? Do it. <clears throat> now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Loving you. It's easy because your boobs are nice. Didn't do it. Oh All right, guys, next time we will have, hopefully we will have Sarah Soderland coming on. I got uh, next month is going to be all, Hall- it's going to be Halloween month and we're going to, ah. we're going to talk about all supernatural stuff. We got Sarah Soderland. I have, uh, and, and Steve Stockton so far and Tom Dunn, we're going to have on in, in the middle of the month to talk about his uh, documentary detestable, which is about satanic ritual abuse. So I think that's a Ooh, for Halloween as nice. well. So I wonder if Alistair Crowley will come up. Alistair Crowley should come up. You need to have that Ozzy oh, Osbourne I, ready for yeah, us. So just just play it real quick, just for everybody. Yes. Well, I, don't, I don't have the trigger. trigger. Oh, oh, yeah. Come on, oh, <laughs> yeah, got, and, and hopefully I'm gonna get one, hopefully I'm gonna get one more guest in there so we can fill up the entire month with uh, all paranormal stuff. Get back to the normal part of conspiranormal. Join us next time for more of Luke's seriously dumb shit on <laughs> Conspiranormal! Itchy sub. <laughs>
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.